0: Come on, we're going to answer the question, now what? No matter where you're at in your walk with God, all of us ask that question at different points. Now what do I do? I've, I've started doing what God's called me to do. I've gotten saved. I've gotten baptized. I'm involved in the church or I'm going to church. But now what? What's the next step? And this month we're going to go through it. It's going to be powerful, practical, and encouraging. But this morning I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. Do you believe you have a purpose? God has a purpose for you. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. Because God is not finished with me yet. Now just smile for a moment. Just get excited because we're happy. We're not sad. We're not depressed. No matter what you came in here with, God wants to give you joy. He wants you to leave better than how you came in. And even if you came in with depression, that's okay. You came in the right place. But God wants you to leave with joy today. He wants you to leave with peace and encouragement. So we're going to say this with, with a sound of faith. Say, my best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Lord, we thank you for victory. We thank you for grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Speak to us today. Lord, let us leave refreshed and encouraged in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give someone a high five. Tell them you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Praise God. Now what? Now what do we do? I remember when Ashley and I had our first baby. It was uh, about 15 months ago. And we're about to have our second baby. But I remember having that baby, and we were checking out of the hospital. And as we were checking out, they handed us this human. And they're like, this is yours now. This belongs to you. Now go and raise this human. And we were like, now what? You know, we went and got the stroller, the car seat, the crib, the bottles, the toys. We got the blanket. We got the things we thought we would need in order to raise this human But we were asking ourselves the question, now what do we do? Even when you get married and and you put all the planning into the wedding and then the wedding happens and then you ask the question, now what do we do? Anytime you make a new decision in your life, the next question is what's next? You know, now what do I do? And what we can unintentionally do is start making it about the stuff, getting all the props, right? Getting the crib and the baby seat and the stroller and think that once we get all the props, we're good. But how many you know, just like if you have all that stuff for your baby doesn't really define you as a good parent, the same thing as a Christian, we can get a really good Bible. We can think, well, I've got to get a suit, just like that one preacher had a suit, or I've got to get a dress, or I've got to get a Jesus bumper sticker or a church bumper sticker, or I've got to get a, a Christian T-shirt. I've got to memorize all the lyrics to the Hillsong and Bethel and Jesus Culture songs. I've got to do all this stuff, and if you do all that stuff, Is that what defines you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? You know, this weekend is Masters. Anybody watching the the Masters golf tournament? Okay. Well, very few people in our church care about golf. (laughs) But I think about how I'm one of those guys that rarely plays a game of golf, but someone gave me some clubs, and, you know, I got the shirt. There I am right there. Come on, somebody. That's a Tiger. What? Rory, who? Come on. But I think about how even, uh, I want to show you another person who, who, look at that golfer right there. (laughs) Tiger's got nothing on that golfer. Come on, somebody. Look, Look at that. Look at that stance. That stance is perfect right there. And that swing, come on. You can have the clubs, you can have the shoes, you can get the hat, but does that make you a pro golfer? No. And sometimes we can mess up what we think the answer to the now what question is. In fact, the disciples did this right when they got saved and Jesus rose from the dead and he gave them a commission to go and make disciples. They started preaching this message, the gospel. They started churches like this one. People started getting saved and and they were kind of surprised. In fact, in Acts 15, they were so surprised they had to call a church meeting to dispute and argue what to do with these new people who were getting getting saved. So let's go to Acts 15 together and let's find out what did the disciples do and. Could it be that maybe even today, we might be repeating the same mistake they made, and and we have to stop and ask ourselves, what really is the inheritance that God gave us to answer the now what question? Verse 6, Acts 15, the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. Now, just so you know, the matter was, a lot of people were getting saved. A lot of people were getting baptized. People were coming down to the altar calls. People were joining the church, and... So all the church got together, and this was a violent board meeting. How many know board meetings can get crazy, especially in the church? These people were intense. And when there had been so much arguing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men, brothers, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So Peter was saying, guys, we shouldn't be surprised that people are getting saved. God said long ago people were going to find out about the message and they were going to receive salvation. And Peter says, so God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to stop right there. This month, you don't want to miss any part of this series because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and it's going to be powerful. And you want to know more about the Holy Spirit because you need him. Whether you think you do or not, you will need the Holy Spirit. Peter says, he gave the Holy Spirit to them just like he gave him to us. And just and he made no distinction between us or them. Peter was saying, hey, the Gentiles, they're just as much accepted in God's sight as the Jews. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So what Peter was saying was, all these other people, they're just like you and I. They've been accepted by God into this salvation message. They've received this inheritance. Now, here's how they did it. By purifying, God purified their hearts by works... By how big their Bible was, by their church bumper sticker, their memorization of worship songs, their suit and tie. No, by faith. By faith in Jesus, these people are getting saved just like us, Peter was saying. He was saying, guys, we're we're starting to answer the question, now what? With the wrong answer. We're trying to put something on them that Jesus never intended for us to do. Watch what he says next in verse, verse 10. He says, now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of these new disciples, these new people following Jesus, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved, and in the same manner, so are they. Okay, so let me just give you a message translation of this. This is what it says. Why are you now trying to out-God God? That's good right there. Ooh, Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too. And Peter says this, don't we believe that we are saved because Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved from heaven to earth to save us just as he did those from beyond our nation. In other words, Peter was saying, you guys are coming up with all of these Things that they've got to do in order to achieve their salvation when you and I both know we weren't good at doing all those things and we received our salvation by grace through Jesus Christ that we put our faith in Him. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. The more you amen, the shorter this sermon will be. So don't get crazy on me though, it'll hurt my feelings. No, I'm just kidding. But I think about how these guys here they were and they had good intentions, they were church leaders, they were saying, Guys, The people are asking, now that they've gotten saved, they're asking, now what? we got to answer that question, now what? All right, let's give them the 613 laws that Moses instituted between Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Let's give them all of that stuff, and and then they're going to be good. Then their salvation is for real. And Peter said, hold on. Jesus didn't come re-preaching Moses' 613 laws. Jesus didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. He came to make a better covenant, a better covenant than the one that Moses gave. And why are we trying to bring them back to something that Jesus brought into something better? He says, let's point them back to Jesus instead of trying to load them down with all this stuff that you and I couldn't do anyways. It, was, it had to do with haircuts and, 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 and robes they had to wear and ways they had to walk and their pets. It was all kinds of rules, literally 613 rules that Moses gave. And these new Christians... We're getting weighed down with it. So Peter says, guys, we couldn't do that. We got saved through our faith in Jesus Christ. So did they. Let's point them back to Jesus. Let's answer the now what question with clear practice that Jesus told us to do. And so here's what happens next. They got silenced after that. And then the next person who speaks up is James. James was the brother of Jesus. He grew up watching his brother become famous and do miracles and healings. And so he says, I got something to say about this. Verse 13, after they had become silent, James said, men, brothers, listen to me. Simon Peter declared how God at the first visited the the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. With the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written, he's coming back so that all the nations will be brought and invited into the salvation message. So verse 18, known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge, we should not trouble those who are coming from the Gentiles into this faith, who are turning to God, but that we should write for them to abstain things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Okay, what does that mean? Everybody say, now what? This is what James was saying. He's saying, we're going to take from the 613 laws three. The other 610, we're going to leave them behind. But the biggest thing we're going to do is we're going to point these new converts, these people who are getting saved, to the one who sanctified them in the first place. It wasn't their works that did it. It wasn't Moses that did it. It was Jesus. Jesus gives us two commandments that fulfill all commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And more importantly, how do we walk those out? Because if we love our neighbor, we're not going to covet. We're not going to steal. We're not going to commit adultery. We're not going to murder them. We're not going to lie about them. If we love God, we're not going to have any other idol in front of them. But how do we fulfill it? How do we do it? And the key is receiving your inheritance. See, Jesus purchased something for us on the cross that if we receive it, we'll be able to do what he's called us to do. In fact, Jesus said, not only will you do what I did, you'll do even greater works than I did. So when we look at the now what question, what do I do next? It's coming back to living and receiving your inheritance. Number one, your inheritance is received, not achieved. Your inheritance is received, not achieved. So we see even with these disciples, they had to step back and say, we didn't achieve our salvation. We received it by grace when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So let's show these new people who are coming to church, who are getting saved, coming down to the altar, that it is freely given. You must receive your inheritance. What is the inheritance? It's the power of God to overcome sin. It's freedom from addictions, from depression, from strongholds. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. It's peace that passes all understanding. It's healing. It's salvation. It's victory. Come on, somebody. Your inheritance is everything... That Jesus did. Imagine if someone wrote a will. And, and when they died, you went to go and open that will and you're part of the family. What did they leave for you? Jesus wrote down everything. The kingdom belongs to you. Everything he did. His healing, his miracles, his power, his victory, his joy, his grace, his compassion, his love, his mercy. It was all given to us. And it's received not achieved. There's, there's actually a true story about a man named Matt Emmons who was in a, an Olympic 2004. He was uh, competing in the Olympics in the rifle event. And Matt Emmons, he was one shot away from winning the gold. In fact, he was already way ahead of all of his other competitors. And all he had to do was just hit the target. He didn't have to hit the bullseye or anything. Just had to hit the target. And here's the thing. Matt Emmons actually shot and he hit a bullseye. But it was the wrong target. He was aimed one lane off from where he was supposed to be aiming. Could it be that we're hitting a bullseye on the wrong target? That we're making the message of Jesus all about what we can do for him when the truth is it's what he did for us. We might be hitting a bullseye like, Paul, I've done this, 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 and this. I have earned my inheritance. You didn't earn your inheritance. Jesus paid for it. You get to receive it. You say, well, but wait a minute, wait a minute, I thought I had to work, for, I thought I had to do all this stuff, no, 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 when you receive it, the result is that all of a sudden the fruit that comes out of your life is like Jesus, if you try to get the fruit before you're in the root, you're gonna miss the whole thing, if you try to earn it before you have it, all your works are in vain, because it's not built on the second part, your inheritance, number two, is a relationship, not a rule book. The inheritance is a relationship, not a rule book. Let's say that together. The inheritance is a relationship, not a rule book. These disciples, they wanted to go through all the list of rules. And I remember in high school, I had lots of friends who were convinced that the inheritance was a rule book. And so they they connected. Following all the rules meant that I was saved. And so when they got out of high school and they were free to do whatever they wanted to do, All of a sudden, instead of just leaving the rules, they left everything because they never really developed a relationship with God. For them, it was all about doing the rules. But see, God invites us to be in a relationship with him. Jesus didn't just die so that we could read about God. He died so that we could know God one-on-one personally, so that we could hear God through the Holy Spirit. He died so we could have a relationship with the Father. Jesus is our bridge between us and God. In the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Moses, he was the only one that got to talk to God. But in the New Testament, we all get to talk to God. If you think your inheritance is a rule book, you're missing the point of the gospel. Your inheritance is so much greater than that because it's in the relationship with Jesus that you're able to live holy, that you're able to live pure, that you're able to overcome temptation. And if you'll get it focused on the right thing, man, I am invited to know God. I'm invited to enjoy God. Just like you would have a relationship with someone here on earth that you want to enjoy. A relationship that's worth having is one that you enjoy, not one that drains you, right? Because when you're in a relationship that drains you, you don't want to be in that relationship. But when you're in a relationship that fuels you with a second wind, with fresh uh, enthusiasm and encouragement and joy, you want more of that. That's what God invited us into. Number three, your inheritance is empowerment, not oppression. So many people look at, at, at the gospel and they think, I've got to do all these things. I've got to follow all these things. And so we feel like we're oppressed. The definition of oppressed means someone from on high, an authority that's cruelly, uh, uh, rudely punishing you, putting things on you that you can't do. That's not the gospel. He's not putting stuff on us we can't do. He's pushing us up. He's pulling us up. He's giving us fire. He's giving us encouragement. He's lifting us out of a pit of despair. That's what the message is. It's empowerment. Jesus came to empower you and me. In the early 1900s, a lady in Ireland, she had bought electricity, one of the first in her neighborhood to get electricity. And months went by, and a meter reader came to her house, knocked at the door, and said, Ma'am, is your electricity working? She said, Yes, it is, of course. He said, Well, I'm looking at the readings here, and it says you've barely even used any of it. He said, Are you using the power that you have in She said, well, when the sun goes down, I turn the lights on just long enough to light the candles. Then I turn them off. And I think this is how Christians are sometimes. We have the power. We've tapped into the power, but we're not using it. We're not using the power that Jesus gave us. Jesus told his disciples, wait and receive the power from on high. The Holy Spirit will give you power. Everybody say, power. Power. Power to do what? Power. Power to love your family members. You need power to do that. Power to love and forgive your boss. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all have been praying prayers like, Lord, please move my boss to another planet. (laughs) You're not living in the power. You're living in your own strength, and as long as we're in our own strength, we're going to come up short. We're going to be frustrated with family members, angry at our supervisors, quitting every job we work for in every church that offends us. But when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, if somebody rubs you the wrong way, instead of just retaliating and getting revenge, you take on the nature of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, help me to treat my boss with kindness today. Holy Spirit, help me to forgive that family member. Holy Spirit, help me, help me to show people Jesus today. Not to show them Paul, but to show them Jesus Because if I show them Paul, they're not going to get a glimpse of Jesus. But if I can show them Jesus, that's what God wants us to do. So when we ask the question, now what? Now I've, I've gone through discipleship course. I've served in the church. I went through God's ER. I went through victory by virtue for women. I've been going to church. Now what? Look to Jesus, receive your inheritance, and walk in that power. He's given you power over everything that you face Number 4 your inheritance renews your view of God. Your inheritance renews your view of God. It, re- it renews my view. Growing up I used to have a view that God was easily angered at me. That if I did something wrong, God was going to punish me for it. And some and it's not because anyone showed this to me, it was my own mindset. But some people literally have a view of God that he punishes us and inflicts sickness on us when we mess up or to teach us a lesson. That is so far from the truth. You want to know what God's like? Look at his son. Jesus is the representation. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I didn't come to inflict sickness on you. I came to empower you. I didn't come to bring you into oppression. I came to bring you into encouragement. See, this is, this is what the inheritance gives us. It gives us a new view of God. A.W. Tozer, a famous theologian, he said, the most important thing about all people is what comes to their mind when they think about God. The most important thing about you and me is our view of God. It affects how we live. It affects how we laugh or whether we laugh. It affects how we serve. It affects how we give or whether we give. It affects how we love our spouse or love anybody. Because if we have a view that God is this mean boss, and every time we mess up, he fires us, and so every week we've gotta get rehired by going down to the altar and receiving salvation again, because we lost it last week, because he fired us for doing something bad. We're gonna have a warped lifestyle of Christianity. We're gonna be like those people who buy all the clubs and buy the hats, and, and we look like a golfer, but we're not really a golfer. Because we've got a warped view of who God is. God is not an angry boss. He's not a distant father. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. If we want to know what God is like, we look at his son, Jesus. God cares about the small things in your life. This last week, someone told me and Ashley as we were getting ready to minister on TBN, which is an honor to represent Victory on TBN, but this, this person... She, she said, I feel like God only cares about the big things. She said, I feel like God cares about, you know, when people have cancer, he listens to those prayers. She said, I don't know if God really cares about the eczema on my hands. I don't, I don't know if, he, if that's even a big deal on his radar. And I started thinking about it because I was thinking about this series, Now What? So many of us, we've got a, a, a messed up view of who God is. If we want to know what he's like, we look at his son, Jesus. Jesus. You know what Jesus told Peter when Peter had to pay his taxes? He didn't say, Peter, that's, that's too small. Let me go deal with Lazarus. He's dead. Right? I got bigger things to handle right now. He said, hey, Peter, I took care of it. The coin, it's in the fish's mouth. Just go fishing. You'll get your bill. You'll pay for it. That's in the Bible. Jesus literally took care of Peter's bills at the end of the month. You want to know if God cares about the small things? Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, my father takes care of the canaries and the wildflowers. He clothes them in splendor. He makes sure they have food every single day. And guess what? He counts the hairs that are on your head. He cares about the wart you wish would go away on your elbow. He cares about you in middle school, hoping and praying that you would have a best friend. He cares about you in high school, feeling rejected because no one asked you to prom. He loves you. He cares for you. He sees your tears. He loves every part of your life. He counts the hairs on your head. He's not just the God of the big things. He's the God of the small things. He cares about you and your daughter's relationship, you and your son, your son and your ex-husband, his father. He cares about every part of you. Every part of your life. And the inheritance changes our view of God. Ben, I want you to come up as I get ready to close. Number five, the inheritance calls us higher. The inheritance calls us Higher. So number one, the inheritance is received, not achieved. The inheritance is a relationship, not a rule book. The inheritance is empowerment, not oppression. The inheritance renews our view of God. And number five, the inheritance calls us higher. Luke 24, let's go there together, Luke chapter 24. Jesus had been crucified, laid in a tomb. His disciples were devastated, discouraged. And early that Sunday morning, verse 1, Luke 24, certain women came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone was rolled away from the tomb. They went in and didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two angels stood by them in shining garments. Then as as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Why were the angels there that day? The angels weren't there to guard the body of Jesus. Jesus was already gone. The angels were there to tell those women, He's not here. You're looking too low. You're going back to the last place you saw Him. You're still talking about the last thing he did. He's moved on. He's gone higher. And he's calling you to go higher. You're hanging out in the cemetery because that's that's what you last experienced. But he's left. He's risen. So many people, they get saved. And they may not even ask the question, now what? They might just camp out right there. I had an incredible experience at Easter. Easter. 2004, Easter, oh, it was the best. I miss the donkey. I miss the script. I miss it all. It was my favorite. It was the only time Jesus really visited my life, and so we keep going back to the place we last saw him. Oh, man, I miss the days of youth camp, 1997, baby, whoo. He really moved in my life, hasn't done it since then, but man, I can remember the moment when they passed out candy at Children's Church in 1987. And we camp out at these moments. We go back to the cemetery where we last saw him. He's moved on. He's saying, guys, come on. Following Jesus is not meant to be a one-time Easter experience. He calls us higher every day. He says, I got fresh manna. You're still thinking about the manna from 2004. I've got fresh bread. This Word of God is alive. It's active. It's living. It's not in 1984. It's 2015. Jesus, you're so real. And he's saying, come up higher. Let's move beyond the elementary things that we keep struggling with. Let's move beyond the addictions to the old habits that you keep revisiting. Let's go to a new level. Let's move in the Holy Spirit. Let's receive his power. Let's walk in the works of Jesus. Let's see the miracles happen in Tulsa. Let's see the healings happen. Let's get a better view of God that he's not just focused on big things but he's focused on the warts and the eczema and all the different things that sometimes we struggle believing that God's about and so today your inheritance if you would just receive it I promise you it would change your view of God it would change the the things that you struggle with oftentimes because it gives us power it gives us power the angel said hey ladies don't you remember what Jesus said this was all going to happen he's gone ahead of you Go ahead and meet him where he's at. That's my encouragement to you. Don't get stuck in what God did in your life years ago or even last week. I know it was great. And we have the tendency of building monuments out of moments. And we build museums and we just hang out. And what happened there? The church is not a museum. It's a hospital for the broken. The church is a daily, active, fresh every day. He's doing something new, changing somebody's life, bringing new medicine, bringing new nourishment, bringing new encouragement. He has something fresh for us today. And I want to end with this story. There was a man who who made a lot of money. He bought a lot of cars, had a collection of really nice cars. Bought a huge mansion and a big garage where he put all his cars. The day came where he died. He had written a will and His lawyers called the family members, he had one son, and he was given each family member their inheritance, part of their, what was left in the will, and to the son, he gave him a Bible. He said, "This, this was what your father left you, and the son was so angry, he said, are you kidding me? He could have given me one of his cars, he could have given me at least some of his money, or just some of the stuff that was in his house. All I get is this Bible, this book. And so he didn't open. He didn't do anything with it. Years went by and he went through a storm, a crisis. And he decided, I'm going to just look in the Bible and see if there's any scripture in there that would give me encouragement. He opened it up. And on the thread was tied a key to his father's house. He went and opened his father's house and in the garage was every single car. His dad had left him all the money, all the cars, the entire house. All you had to do was open up the book. So many of us, we've received an inheritance, but we haven't even read the will. We haven't opened it up to say, God, what's in there for me? Everything, everything. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. He has given you everything you need. He's given you grace when you're up against a storm. He's given you peace when you don't know what to do. When you're wondering, what's my next step? Where do I go to college? How are we going to put our kids through college? How am I going to get a job? He's given you favor with God and favor with man. He's given you the key to prosperity. He's given you the key to wisdom. Your inheritance is so much more than you ever imagined. Some of us, we stop at salvation. We stop at Easter. And God's saying, I'm calling you higher. There's more. I'm calling you deeper. I've got more in store for you. Man, I can't wait for the the rest of this month to just talk about now what, because it's so much more than probably what you thought. So much more encouraging. God is not a discourager. He's an encourager. He has hope for your life, for your future. Your best days are not behind you. You don't have to live in defeat. You can live in victory. Here's what I want us to do right now. Holy Spirit, you do what you want to do. What do you want to do, God? If you're here right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you've not received that inheritance you've heard about it maybe you missed Easter weekend you're out of town or just didn't want to go to church maybe you've never really let Jesus be Lord of your life but today you're saying I I need to surrender I'm not right with God I've been holding on to bitterness towards myself resentment condemnation I've been living in in just an oppressive state I have felt discouraged every morning that I wake up every night I go to sleep I've thought that God doesn't care about the small things. I've just, I've put him off. And today, I want that inheritance. I want a new view of God. I want salvation. I need healing. I need transformation. All over this room with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you say, that's me, I want you to slip your hand up all over the room. Yes, 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 yes. Hands going up all over the room. You're saying, yes, I need it. I need to get right with God today. I need to walk in that inheritance, to receive it today. You know who you are. It's between you and God. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I just, I'm saved, I'm, I'm right with God, but I just need healing. I need health, I need strength in my body, in my spirit, in my emotions. Could be physically, could be relationally, could be emotionally. Whatever it is today, if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. He's here today to give you power, to give you health, to give you strength and hope and healing in your body. Awesome. Awesome. Last but not least, I want us all to look up, open our eyes. You're here today, and you're ready to go public with your faith. You may not have come in shorts and a t-shirt or brought a change of clothes, but as I've talked about water baptism, and you've been thinking about it, maybe you saw a picture online. You've been thinking, what is water baptism? I always have this thought when people say, I shouldn't get baptized, I say, well, Jesus got baptized. Jesus went down in the water. What is it? It's going down in the water and leaving behind the old man and coming up a new creature in Christ Jesus, a new creation, being born again. When Jesus left from earth to heaven, he said, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So right behind me, we're going to have these three tanks. And if you want to get baptized, there's going to be a pastor, my mom, myself, or one of the pastors. What we'll do is we'll lay you back in the water. We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you come up, You're leaving behind the old you. And maybe you've been saved for a long time, but you can't remember ever getting water baptized. Today is your day to do it. Maybe you've never been baptized, and you know you haven't. And you've been wondering, should I do that? What's the point of it? It's a next step. It's an answer to the now what question. If you're ready to do that, or you came and you weren't ready, but you realize now we've got the towels, we've got the change of clothes, every size, we've got it. You're ready to do it. I want you to step out from your seat. Come down here to my left. You're right and want you to walk over here by Pastor Ryan Stafford. You're here today. You're saying, I'm ready to get baptized. Come on, just step out from your seat. We're going to cheer you on right over here. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Right down this way. Let's keep cheering. This is what it's going to be like in heaven. When one person steps into the gates of heaven, the whole place cheers, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. You're going to get born again, afresh and anew. This is so awesome. Awesome. Is there anyone else? Today you're saying, I'm ready to get water baptized. Awesome. Church, can I ask you to do this? I ended my sermon a little bit early, so that way we could stay and celebrate just for 10 minutes. If you'll stay for 10 minutes, we're going to worship. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hands to just step out from your seat. If you want to stand down here at this altar, you're saying, I need healing. I need strength. I need grace. I need to get things right with God. Just step out and just stand with me down here at this altar. We're going to worship God for 10 minutes. And we're going we're gonna to celebrate. When you see someone come up out of one of those water baptism tanks, can you just cheer, just celebrate? We're going to show it on the screens. When they come up, we're going to celebrate what God's doing in their lives. And I'm going to ask our pastoral team to come and stand around here. We're going to praise God together this morning. We have a glorious inheritance, something incredible to receive. I want us to pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Raising from the dead so I could spend eternity with you. I receive my inheritance. Salvation, healing, the Holy Spirit, freedom, grace, joy, love, peace. Thank you, Jesus. I'm all yours, God. Do what you want to do in me. And through me. In Jesus name. Amen. Now let's just worship the Lord. Go ahead worship team. We're going to just worship God. Celebrate. And I'll get up here and dismiss in just about 10 minutes. Lord we thank you Jesus. Go ahead Daniel. You unravel me. With the
1: melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies until all my fears are gone. Sing that with me. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I. It's invincible and it's all over you. So, I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. I am.
0: I'm awesome, seeing each person get baptized. So many more that we're seeing standing in line here about to get baptized. Here's what we're going to do we're going to keep praising, keep worshiping. There's more that are getting baptized. Feel free to stick around and cheer as each person comes. This is our formal dismissal. We love you. God loves you. Your best days are not behind you, they're in front of you. You have victory this week. Walk in it, live in it, be blessed. Feel free to stick around and watch as people are getting baptized and worship. Be blessed this week. Don't forget about the Connect lunch upstairs in the second floor Chapel. God bless you
1: I stand in new creation in blood and fire. No fear of condemnation, by faith I'm trusting.
0: get baptized feel free to come up on the stage take a picture with them awesome miracle moments up here today be blessed don't forget about tonight and next weekend now what part two